ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is one of the most popular movements in Taiwan. About 10 million Taiwanese follow in some way the Matsu folk religion. There's 12,000 temples across the country and its networks stretch into business and politics. So it shouldn't be surprising that China's communist government has a particular interest in this movement. During Taiwan's recent election campaign, Beijing allegedly tried to use the religion to influence voters. Matsu also has several million followers in the Chinese province of Fujian. Dr Mark Harrison is a Taiwan specialist at the University of Tasmania. Matsu is a deity. Matsu was actually a real person about a thousand years ago, a lady called Lin Monyang, and she has become deified, and she is the goddess of the sea. And she is worshipped as the goddess of the sea, and Taiwan, of course, is an island, and so subject to typhoons and so on, and so Worshipping a goddess of the sea has become over many centuries part of seafaring life in Taiwan. And around the goddess of the sea has emerged a set of religious practices focused on temples. There are many Matu temples in Taiwan. There's many around the world. There's one in Melbourne, actually, in which the goddess Matu is worshipped. There isn't a canon of sort of sacred texts that support her, although there is some writing. So it's not like Buddhism or Taoism or indeed Christianity. The Buddhists and the Taoists do rather look down upon the worshippers of Matu a little bit. But around these temples in which Matu is worshipped, a really rich and complex set of cultural, social and spiritual practices has developed over many centuries. Mark, why would the Chinese government be interested in the followers of Matsu? The worship of Matsu is very institutionalized. So the temples are really huge organizations, some of them. They are large buildings and, and structures. Some of them are, are multi-million dollar operations. And the Chinese government is very interested in institutions that are outside of its control. And it has a concept, a set of political tactics and practices called United Front Work, in which it seeks to capture or, or influence or insert itself into those institutions. The temples that worship Matu are certainly not the only institutions that Beijing directs its attention at, but there is a very large number of, of people who go to them and they're considered, I think, by Beijing a receptive to influence and a united front activity because Matu is also worshipped in Fujian, mm. in China, on the other side of the Taiwan Strait. So there is that commonality. And the original, the, the deity Matsu was from Fujian originally, a thousand years ago. It's a receptive set of institutions, and Beijing is always interested in those and, and trying to find ways to uh, to co-opt and shape and influence. And it has obviously the long-term goal of shaping public discourse in Taiwan to be more favourable towards unification. Mm. I mean, this may not be full-blown espionage as we understand it, you know, planting spies in Taiwan's defence ministry, but how much is China and the Chinese government basically trying to infiltrate the Mazu movement? Infiltrate is probably not the word that I would use. It sees the commonality in Fujian and Taiwan around the worship of Mazu as an opportunity and it has been working quite hard over the last, in fact, many years to make the worshippers of Matsu feel more favourable towards China. And so that's really the goal. And it's a very complex set of institutional practices. Yes, 
it's not really espionage in the traditional spycraft sense. China obviously directs enormous resources at Taiwan's military and defense industries and so on, and foreign affairs in a more traditional sense. But it sees the kinds of people who worship Matsu as the kinds of people that it wants to influence so that they feel more comfortable with unification, ultimately. I would say that it's not effective. And all politicians in Taiwan go to the temples as part of their political activities. So certainly during the election campaigns, you know, every other day they're going to a temple to do bye-bye and, uh, and show their respect for the deities. But the range of views in Taiwan's politics is, is great. You know, the new vice president, for example, of Taiwan, Xiaobi Kim, she's quite a serious Christian. And although she will certainly go to a temple, it's not part of her own set of beliefs. But I think Beijing would uh, assess that worst case from their point of view is division within Taiwan's public life, you know, with the, the Matsu's uh, worshippers feeling one way and Taiwan's political elites feeling another way. And even that kind of division suits their particular interest. If they can sow a degree of division within Taiwanese politics and society, that makes it easier for them to influence Taiwan in ways that they want. Is this an East Asian parallel to what Russia is accused of doing in the West, <laughs> effectively trying to play a, a very strong influence game in Western politics? Is, is this, uh, as I say, a, an East Asian parallel? I think Russia's contemporary activities are much more focused on cyber security issues and social media. With China, it's, there's a lot of that sort of stuff as well, and certainly a lot of activities in social media. But this is about institutions, institutions and organizations. And this is where United Front Work really thinks it the most deeply about how to shape an institution. This has a very long history. It does have a history in the Soviet Union. So this is a, a Leninist political practice, but it's one that the Chinese Communist Party took up in the 1920s and 30s and have developed into a huge set of organizations and structures in the Chinese system that is directed at this particular activity. It's not just Matsu, it's not just Taiwan. This is a widespread set of practices that China engages in. And the principle is the Chinese Communist Party is a revolutionary party. When it was founded in the 1920s, it was in a struggle for its own survival. And part of the ways it responded to that was to think about how to get organizations that were outside the party to be kind of on the party's side, at least supportive of, or at least not oppositional to. And United Front Work is a set of ideas and practices and organizations that implement that goal. The Communist Party is not trying to destroy the worship of the god Matsu, even though China's leaders would not be particularly interested in it as a religious practice, but they want to make sure that it isn't oppositional to their interests in any way. Yes, because one of the many things that you've said that I found intriguing is that the Matsu movement also has a following, a very large following in Fujian province on the Chinese mainland as part of the People's Republic of China. Could the Chinese government be thinking maybe Taiwanese through the Matsu movement could destabilise us? Maybe they're thinking this is a rearguard action. I don't think so. There's a certain sort of imperial mindset in Beijing that feels that it does the destabilizing, it doesn't get destabilized. Right. There is an anxiety, I think, about um, opposition within China, about protest movements and so on, but the state is so pervasive in China that it has the capacity to suppress that if it needs to. I don't think that would be the case. I think if there was a post-unification scenario, if that ever happened, 
then I think that would be actually quite an interesting dynamic to see how that influence would work in both directions. But where we are at the moment, unification is not uh, really on the cards. And so um, I don't think that would be the thought. It's also the case that Beijing has been interested in Mazu for quite a while. Uh, Xi Jinping gave a speech about 10 years ago where he talked about the people in Fujian and the people in Taiwan both worshipping the goddess Mazu, and maybe this could be a, a, a way that they could find a, a common connection. But this is someone who himself never dreamed of going to a temple and actually participating himself in any of those practices like the pilgrimages and so on. Uh, he's just not that kind of political leader. Mm. And there was a quite an interesting and, and in many ways very strange policy statement that was released last year yes. by the State Council and the Politburo, so the government and the party, a joint statement, which proposed a set of initiatives to help integrate Fujian and Taiwan. A lot of it was focused on business integration. Legal integration was another one where they proposed that Taiwanese lawyers might be able to actually practice in Fujian, which obviously is not acceptable to the Taiwanese. But one of the themes in that document was cultural integration. And a great deal was made of the shared heritage of, of the worship of the goddess Matsu, and that is an area that they proposed mm. would be a pathway towards cultural integration. Mark, just finally, a contemporary of yours, a Taipei-based scholar, Dr. Chang Kui Min, said that Beijing is increasingly using religious lineages to uphold the unification narrative. Do I understand that the officially atheist communist government of China somehow sees some value in invoking the idea of a divine purpose for the unification of China and Taiwan. I mean, are they using religion in that sort of bald a way? That's an interesting idea, I think, because there is this idea of the great rejuvenation of the Chinese nation. There is a kind of divine tone to a lot of the discourse from Beijing about unification. It's this great national mission that will fulfill the destiny of all Chinese people. It's spoken about in these very elevated terms. But I think for Beijing, there is no sense that people in the government itself and the leadership, the senior leadership, who live very, very isolated lives. There may be possibly some closet worshippers of the goddess Baozu in Beijing somewhere in the senior leadership when it's, it's not unimaginable. And Xi Jinping himself, of course, was governor of Fujian. And so he may have had some encounters with those practices when he was in that role. But for the senior leadership, no, they're very technocratic. They're very ideological in the sense of their belief in communism and the, the ideology of the party. This, for them, is a mechanism to be used. I don't think it's really a, a genuine engagement with what the practices actually mean. Mm. It's a lever to be pulled. If you're uh, running a small temple in southern Taiwan, worshipping the goddess Mazu, and then somebody from Fujian says, well, why don't you come to Fujian and then come to our temple and we'll pay for everything? You might say, well, that sounds like quite a nice deal. And so you go there and you're, you're interested in it. That over time, that's what United Front Web looks like. It mm. might make you feel warmer towards Fujian. But ultimately, I think there's a, a good understanding in Taiwan that there is a very particular goal that Beijing has, which the people of Taiwan don't support. And this is not going to really shape public opinion fundamentally. 
it might create division. Dr Mark Harrison, Taiwan expert. He's based at the University of Tasmania. Mark, thanks for joining us on the Religion and Ethics Report. Not at all. Thanks very much for the opportunity to talk about ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.